You are listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. I am your otherworldly host, Kitty Fields, and we are thrilled to have our magical and beautiful guest co-host for tonight, Jasmine Ambrosia. Sadly, we don't have Alora with us tonight as she is out recovering, but as far as I know, she's doing really well and she should be back with us soon, but I do miss her. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button to receive notifications of our future episodes. We are literally releasing a new episode every week, and we invite you to check out our sister podcast, Mamir's Well, where we explore more controversial topics in the witchcraft community. Support us and get involved with our projects by going to patreon.com slash burning hallows. And don't forget to pay a visit to Alora's website at alorarain.com. Now on to the show. Thereupon, quote the jinn, know that I am one among the heretical jinn and I sinned against Solomon. Whereupon the prophet sent his minister to seize me brought me against my will, led me in bonds to him, and placed me standing before him. When Suleiman saw me, he took refuge with Allah and bade me embrace the true faith, but I refused. So he shut me up there and stopped it over with the lead and gave his orders to the jinn, who carried me off and cast me into the ocean. There I abode a hundred years, during which I sat in my heart. Who is shall release me, him will I enrich forever and ever. The thousand and one nights. So today's episode welcomes High Priestess Jasmine Ambrosia to introduce us to the mystical world of the jinn and Afrit. We invited Jasmine on to pick her brain and employ her expertise in approaching the topic of the jinn with as much respect as possible. I personally am not of the traditions or descend from the cultures from which the jinn originate. So I felt it was necessary to have someone on who is. With all of that being said, grab your cuppa and settle in. Warning, this episode contains topics that may be disturbing to some, including SA, violence, and some cursing. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Yay. Let's get going. <laughs> cool. 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 So thank you for joining us. Of course, Jasmine. Of course. Thank you for having me. I say us like Alora's like here presently with us. It's her, it's her egregore served her with us. <laughs> her. I feel like she's it's here. Her projection. <laughs> oh, I miss her, but it's only, it's literally been like two weeks and I'm like, I miss you. Oh, anyway. Uh, she's doing well. She's great. Yeah. Good. But thank you for Good. thank you for being our co-host for tonight. Yeah. I'm so excited. Me too. We have not broached this topic or anything like it yet, so it should be fascinating, I think. Yeah. I think it's also a topic that like I know a lot of people are interested in and it's something that I think is shrouded in like a lot of mystery and mm. controversy and there's you know, to some extent kind of a gate blocking in the way with language barrier, you know, um, oh, yeah. and erasure of pre-Islamic traditions. So mm -hmm. the information that's out there is even limited to a point. Yeah. 
I mean, and this is not to compare, but I feel there is a lot of that, you know, just as far as um, pagan spirits and and deities, unfortunately. For sure. For sure. But uh, let's start with the absolute basics, I think. So we'll talk about what are the djinn exactly? And if we can define them, how do we try to define them? Really like djinn are basically just like spirits, essentially. If we're looking at this from more of an Islamic sort of perspective, which like I personally am not a practicing Muslim. Um, however, a lot of the ways that Sahir, which Sahir is like basically Middle Eastern magic, it's Middle Eastern conjure, S-I-H-R, Sahir, Sahir. This is, you know, a type of magic that does work with spirits and like, if we're looking at this from a Quranic perspective, these jinn would be spirits of like smokeless fire. And per the Quran, um, humans were made from clay, yeah. like from the earth itself, basically. And jinn were also made of this similar realm, but of fire that has no smoke. So not so much like air and fire, but fire without smoke. So they're kind of almost in that way, you could think of them as like infernal in nature, maybe how like some demonologers might think of um, the, in the infernals, if legions, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of like fire spirits in that way. And they can just like how fire is very transformative. These spirits are interpreted in different ways. Mm -hmm. I think an, um, a big important thing to start with when talking about working, like having a relationship with Jen or just kind of the codex of Jen is that Jen really is referring to a whole like family, a genus yeah. of spirits, I would say is maybe the best way to say that as opposed to, yes. you know, a, like Jen is not one particular spirit it's more like kind of a classification of different types of spirits and i think that's one thing that gets lost in a lot in the west um and i think because of like thousand and one nights or aladdin right like we think of i think in the west um like the genie mm -hmm. especially like you know whether it be like will smith or gosh what was his name <laughs> and like the robin williams yes robin williams yeah oh may he rest in peace right. um you know, people think of that particular genie when they think of Jen. And I would say, I would argue that could theoretically be like a Jen, but like more specifically, I would label that like an Afrit maybe, but just mm. like kind of how the Fae are, right? Like I was going to say that, you know, doing a lot of this research prior to not that I'm saying it's the same beings, but there's a lot of similarities there for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and the, and the I, misconception of it too, because people think, you know, they have this general, oh, a fairy is, looks a certain way and it's this one thing, but like you're saying, it's an umbrella term. There's a lot of different yeah. types. Yeah. There's absolutely like a similarity there mm -hmm. in that way. So I agree. That's kind of how I would define the gen. Like, I yeah. feel like even if we look at it like pre-Islamically, like I feel like they are spirits of earth 
there's also kind of like whispers in the sands, if you will, um, that some of these gen may also be divinity sources as well. I don't know if I necessarily believe that based on my own gnosis, but mm -hmm. I definitely feel like these are spirits of fire, spirits of the land. And I personally, not speaking for all Sahiras here, but I personally kind of feel like it wouldn't necessarily be a stretch to use kind of like, I guess, to kind of think of Jen and Faye as like similar concepts. I'm not saying that they're the exact same things either, but just like how you have fairy or Faye and then different sub, you know, sub things underneath that so many, with the Jen yes. it's the same way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with the Jen, it's very similar to that. I think, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I would so, encourage your listeners to think of it like that, you know, yeah. when they're thinking of gen, think of like, that's just kind of a generalization for a specific type of maybe earth based spirit or yeah. spirit of the land in some capacity. Yeah. I love it. Makes sense to me. So I did watch a few of your videos before this on the gen and the Ifrit. Um, you mentioned if we were going to talk about elements as far as the gen, definitely air and fire, which we also said they were born of a smokeless flame of fire. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But also, so am I to understand that that also kind of goes with our, under, like our concept of actions or emotions that go along with those elements. So with air, you have inspiration and like with fire, you have sexuality is all that kind of part of the gin, I should say. I think it could be. I mean, yeah. the thing with like Jen is like, it gets more specific when we get into looking at particular sorts like mm -hmm. Marids or Johns or Huns or Afrits or Gulas. Mm -hmm. Like these are some varieties. These are some flavors. And like, like a, a Marid, for example, like these are kind of almost like giant elementals that are associated with like storms. Oh. And so the frequency or the relationship um, in whether it be folklore or even in your own practice, let's hypothetically say you were to invoke this sort of elemental, mm -hmm. like the relationship that you might have there versus a uh, shayatin, like shaitan's jinn, the infernal jinn, um, that might be very, very different. Um, mm -hmm. The shayatin, these are, this is like a political group of jinn. So the jinn, are also kind of like humanity because they were made kind of equal to humans. And then you also have like angels and demons within this narrative as well. And angels, chronically, from this perspective, really don't have free will and they serve God. They serve Allah. Um, Allah being the Arabic word for God, just right. so everyone's clear on that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they angels don't really have free will. So they're designed specifically to serve Allah. Right. And then demons are anything that's not serving God. So, I mean, demons can literally be anything. Demons right. could be humans. Demons could be anything. It's not mm -hmm. just limited to spirits. Um, the Shaolin are kind of a political group of Jinn. So there could be like Gulas, there could be Marids, there could be Afrits that are aligned with the shayateen, which would mean that they serve shaitan, which is our Arabic word for Satan or the devil. So these would be like politically aligned infernal, specifically Jen. 
which I feel like kind of interesting sort of Islamic conspiracy here, that that almost validates the fact that the jinn were around before even the word shaitan, like the jinn existed before we had a notion of devil in that way. The fact that there's a political agency. And I think that like the Quran almost kind of like contradicts itself by validating that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And like a freak would be more like the shadow people. I've talked about on my own channel yeah, how I, I was going to ask you of, about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of associations between shadow people, um, like stories that you hear about shadowy figures, right? Like the yes. top hat man or um, sleep paralysis or whatever. Like those those stories are very, very similar to the stories um, with the Afrit. The Afrits are literally basically like shadow people the dark people, the shadow people. So they're kind of like humans, but they're void-like and they can shape shift. They can change their shape. Their, their natural shape would be kind of like a black mass, like a void, okay. typically in the shape of the silhouette of a human. Um, but yeah, they have relationships and families and all of that, whether it be with other Afrit or with humans. And then Marids, like I said, would be kind of more like elementals. They would be mm-hmm. like spirits of the skies, of the storms, very much associated with like oceanic storms, uh, sandstorms, tornadoes, severe thunderstorms, like very like extreme weather. Yeah. And then Interesting. Let's see, uh, the Huns. And then there's also like Jans as well. And Huns are typically seen as animals. I know that there's also kind of like an overlap here, I believe, with the Fae. I'm not super well versed with Fae here. So Oh, uh, that's my jam. I know all about Okay. <laughs> okay. So we can we can we can compare notes then yeah, here. Definitely. The Hun, like it's they might appear as different animals. Some popular ones might be like snakes. Animals are also usually black or sometimes like white. Um, yeah, white, some, white is the big color. White with red eyes, ears, nose. For Fay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. For the Huns, I would say it's kind of like either white or black or anything that's unusual. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't know, as an example, like, like a blue dog. Crocodile. <laughs> right. Like a blue dog. <laughs> right. Exactly. So anything that's like unusual is thought to be like kind of spiritual in nature. And so mm-hmm. the Huns are also shadowy spirits of the smokeless fire that typically take the shape of wild animals, not usually like domestic. They would be more wild. Um, And then John's J A N N John's specifically would be like black dogs, which I also have a conspiracy per there being a lot of Islamic and Arabic influence in Turkey. And then there's also, you know, the temple of Hecate that's in Turkey. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a connection there. Um, between John's and these black hellhounds and Hecate's dogs. Oh, yeah. I'm sure like, there I is. think there's an interesting sort of overlap there. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of my own personal opinion. I'm, I really don't have anything that backs that up other than just I think it's an interesting parallel. But yeah, those would all be different types of... Oh, and the gulas. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I found yeah. that particular story from your video very... Interesting. And honestly, I immediately felt like empathy for her. Thousand and one nights, you said there was a gala. One of the stories was that she was to marry a man. And I guess he like disrespected her. He did something to her and she took her revenge on him, basically. 
Yeah. There's so the interesting thing with like ghouls. So like in English, we have like the word ghoul, like mm-hmm. a goblin, a ghoul, mm-hmm. um, which really like kind of comes from Arabic. I was like, going to ask you that too. You're just completely reading my mind. Cool. <laughs> and a lot of times these ghouls, um, a lot of the stories are ghoulas. So like these are almost nine times out of 10 exclusively feminine spirits. Mm. Um, and they're usually associated with like very impure, unclean things. And yeah, and like the Thousand and One Nights, it's essentially kind of like, I mean, we find this in other Fae stories as well, where like a mortal man basically tries to force himself. Yes. Like onto Many this stories. feminine spirit. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it never pans out very well for him usually. Um, or, or it's kind of like the, this one reminded me of there's a story about a selkie woman, which is basically a woman who uh, shifts into the form of a seal in uh, uh-huh. Scottish and Manx lore. And she is forced to marry this man because he hides her skin from her, her seal skin. And, and she has his babies, right? Or yes. Something? Yep. Okay. I think babies I've with them and everything. Yeah. It's one of the more popular ones about Selkies. And then eventually I, think I read that finds... one in Women Who Run With the Wolves. Oh, probably. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. She finds her skin and then she, she ditches, basically. She goes back to the ocean. <laughs> and I think in the Women Who Run With the Wolves version, like their son even goes out into the water. Oh, okay. Maybe I don't know that version. Yeah. Um, as as far as like sort of other folk tales too, there's also some movies that I could suggest. Like there's one called Kardisha, which is like kind of a scary horror style movie, hmm. but essentially like kind of the premise of it is I believe it was something along the lines of like this girl and like this guy. And like this guy like kind of forces himself on this girl. I'll be extremely careful with the words that I use there, but you can figure it out. I'm sure he, you know, essay kind of stuff. And so she kind of ends up taking matters like kind of into her own hands. And then when she does so, there's like this supernatural thing that happens with like a box or something. Mm. And basically the spirit of almost like a gula kind of like ends up, coming over her so she becomes almost like a succubus in a way wow and then in order for her soul to be free like she has to basically take the life of a man Mm -hmm. and then so it basically is the cycle that continues Mm -hmm. through women unaliving their spouses yeah or their significant others there's also a show on netflix just called jen and that actually takes place near Petra Jordan, I think is where it's taking place. But that one's really interesting because there's also some Sahir in there as well. And like this man who, of course, they paint him out to be like this horrible Jafar like character. (laughs) Um, And he's, you know, basically trying to bring these horrible spirits of the flames onto earth and everything. And these teenagers have to like navigate the whole situation. It's, it's kind of cringe, but like it's another <laughs> pop culture thing I could reference. I have a question. Yeah. Being that we have similar stories between the djinn or the gala, either marrying or coupling with humans. And there's also that sort of same storyline with the fae. 
Is there any stories about the jinn being sort of ancestral spirits? Because we definitely have that with the fae. I don't know. Cause like a lot of the jinn lore that we have, like if you look at the book of smokeless fire, for mm-hmm. example, like this is specifically more so looking at like the Shaothin jinn and like, they're so linked to the infernals and they're mm-hmm. almost at this point where they're interwoven into demon. Okay. So I feel like it's almost like gone more under more subterranean, okay. more infernal than like earthly, but like, I wouldn't, say I would like rule that out completely I just don't know personally yeah of like anything folklorically that would suggest that they would be ancestral not that like they couldn't mate with humans so like in a way I guess yeah but like not like they were the race before humanity existed right okay I was just curious Not about like that because there's a lot of like blurry lines when you get real deep into Norse and Celtic mythology with the Fae and, and the Elven like races. There's a lot of kind of blurry lines where it's like, wait, are they ancestors or are they this elemental being or are they gods? Like it's very, <laughs> the more I guess you I, read, I the more I confusing say, it gets. But yeah, I guess I would say that like, because there are stories of Jen like specifically more so like Afrits mm-hmm. and humans interbreeding, I guess they would be ancestral in that way, but not ancestral in the way that like we came from them. Gotcha. So as far as we, we talked a little bit about kind of how they manifest, you said that they take on, they can take on different animal forms depending on the kind of gin. The same goes for the Fae really, but there's a, you see a lot of like deer and cows and even pigs ferrets even like with the fae it's it's really interesting when you start to read about it more and more dogs as well particularly like like we said white i I said white dogs with um they usually have like red ears or red nose so the white and red color is almost always associated with otherworldly like fae beings um yeah yeah it's i i love this stuff i live for this stuff i have stacks of books everywhere on the fae (laughs) looking around earlier I'm like I need to really like cut some of this down probably but and then we also said so according to author Maximilian de Lafayette in his work Sahir Jin Afrit and how to summon them he said the Jin are similar to humans and that they have families children and partners which you said that as well as far as their temperament with the Jin I read and I heard you say <laughs> It's they could be good, they could be bad, they could be neutral, they could be all of these things. Right. I mean, there's no one way or another. And I think that it's the exact it's the same with the Fae. There people think, oh, again, they have this concept of Fae being fairy, and they're all like love and light and pretty and help you with things and grant your wishes. And they can be that way, but they can also be the exact opposite. Right. And I feel like people kind of have a different disposition towards the gen where they just automatically associate them with bad yeah and that's like they're up. not they're not seen as good immediately they're just seen as bad yeah and i feel seems... like yeah yeah i feel like it really would depend on like the particular gen just like i mean there are plenty of humans out there that are bad like plenty uh, yeah. of bad sure. humans out there so mm-hmm. but there's some good ones too you yeah. know <laughs> Yeah. There's some good humans out there um, and there's some neutral, there's some chaotic humans out there. And so I think the same 
you know, would be said for the gin. And I feel like based on the type of gin, they would have totally different moralities and, you mm-hmm. know, preferences and priorities. Like the moderates, for example, they're like these weather sky giants. They don't, they usually are seen as very arrogant and like, they don't really care about what's going on with us. Like they're so much bigger than us and they think that they're so much better than us. Right. Because like they're these giants, they're like otherworldly giants of severe weather. So like, why Why would would they they care about? Right. Right. (laughs) Um, And there is folklore around magicians, which is essentially commanding and compelling them or mm-hmm. warding them off, like if they feel the presence of them, like creating talismans or talismas to like basically ward against them or control them or bind them. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Because they're also kind of personified as weather. Yeah. Which so is, I, is cool because in, in, in uh, like the Celtic and European traditions, there's a lot of linking witches to weather, not necessarily spirits, but that's that's neat too. Well, and like weather's not, weather, I don't think looks at itself like I'm good or I'm bad. We place what is good and bad weather per our own perception, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then per like the Huns, like these are animals basically. So I don't know if we can really place our human morality on gin that take the form of animals and live like animals. I feel like we can't put our morality on any spirits but that's just my opinion (laughs) i think it's easier to project human morality on a gin like the afrit which are almost kind of human-like and have human-like lives there's this movie called like us i think it's is it us i'm trying to remember what it's called but basically it's a horror movie it is yeah is it like there's i think i've seen this it was creepy (laughs) yeah so it's this movie and I believe it's basically like there's, it's kind of like a dystopian world where like there's a group of people that live above ground and a group of people that live below ground. And the people that live below ground suffer. The people that live above ground can live in luxury, essentially. Highly recommend people just go watch it. Um, Especially if you're like scared shitless. I think that's kind of like an interesting analogy though, per the Afrit, is that like, they're supposed to be kind of almost like our shadow. Wow. Not saying like our shadow side. I'm not saying that, but like they live alongside us. They have cities and colonies and villages and politicians and kings and queens and whatever, just like how humanity has. Like they're the closest in that way. So I think it'd be easier to project our morality on them than it would be like, black dogs, wild animals, or the weather. For sure. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I agree with you, but I, yeah, I think it's just some people want to think that even the Fae go by human rules and they don't, they have their own yeah. set of rules, which I don't know that anybody understands or even if there are rules, you know? So yeah, you are saying, we know that they're pre-Islamic but yeah. do you know specifically like the mythology and literature that people could look at if they wanted to really dive deep into the gin? So really a lot of this is really going to be difficult as yeah. far as like, you know, connecting more, especially within like an English written script and especially like in the West, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's folklore that you can, that you can 
dive into and that you can find, but so much of this is perceived through an Islamic lens. We yeah. have like fertile crescent historians, you know, Middle East historians who um, have found folkloric connections with these types of jinn. And we know that these different types exist also per like the Quran. Um, there's a really great YouTube channel that I would recommend to you and to your listeners. It's called Mysterious Middle East. Some of the stuff on there is like, I think a little bit of a stretch or even more going into like super crazy conspiracy territory, <laughs> which like I'm not above a good conspiracy theory, but some of it is a little <laughs> bit outlandish even for me. So take it with a grain of salt. But if you're looking at some gin content from the perspective of the culture and trying to find like a less Islamic lens, mm -hmm. I think that would be a really great YouTube channel that I personally would recommend. So, and then we know, obviously it's, they talk about in the, in the Quran, but also the Vedas as well. Yeah. Like there's, there's demons in the Vedas. And so are these demons ah. jinn? Are these demons you know, more of like a, a Hindu perspective of demon. Mm, I think okay. that like the line is kind of blurry there, just yeah. like how other demons in the jinn often get mixed together. Okay. Gotcha. And as far as who created the jinn, so we say created the jinn, but obviously we're thinking they potentially were even before the Quran was written and all these other kind of ancient texts and manuscripts. But as far as what I read in De Lafayette's book, he's saying there's kind of two main theories. So it's either Allah or he also talked about the Anunnaki mm -hmm. creating or potentially, you know, being the creators of the jinn. Have you read that or, or like dived into that at all? The Anunnaki? Yeah, there, there's Art. also some people who associate the gen with like grays, like grays as in like aliens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say there's a third thing here. Like, I okay, Allah, this is more of like the Quranic perspective. Like mm -hmm. if, if the Abrahamic God, if Yahweh is in your worldview, then God created the gen when humanity was created. Right. Created right. humanity from depending on your creation story, because I know that it's different um, in the Quran, it's out of the earth, out of clay. Like that's mm -hmm. where humankind was made from. So there's that. And then, you know, the jinn were created from uh, smokeless fire. If you have that worldview, and then the Anunnaki would be more like celestial, almost more gray-like, like, and there's a lot of associations between the Afrit, shadow people and aliens too. Um, and then there's more of, I would say, like a kafir or a pagan worldview, mm -hmm. which would be more like that the jinn, maybe similar in the sense of the fae, are spirits of the land, spirits of the earth. Right. So I would say those are the three theories. And look, I'm going to have to tell you this again, because I think it's just kind of uncanny. So a lot of... <laughs> A lot of people say that the greys could are also linked to the fae, of course. Interesting. Yeah. Like people say, oh, were these greys actually, you know, the fairy beings? And there's some alien encounters or grey encounters at places that are also considered like fairy mounds. 
I think it's possible that like all three theories could be true. Yeah. Like, I don't think it, I don't think we have to pick just one reality. I think it's possible that, you know, it could be all three. Yeah. Yeah. How, let's talk about how they interact with humans. Okay. So do you think that they play like an active <clears throat> role in humans' lives? Or is there like certain ones that play an active role or and some that, well, you said the weather ones don't really care like what we do. So that answers that question. But in general, there would is you say they, they play an active role? I would say there is stories as well, though, of like, magicians and witches trying to bind and control the weather um mm -hmm. which the weather being kind of personified through marids so i feel like in that way that's kind of our relationship with that mm -hmm. whether it be like trying to manipulate the weather for malefic reasons ah, okay. like trying to bring plagues or famine or storms in that manner like trying to invite them into a space to where you know maybe we flood an area Oops or maybe we prevent the rains from coming. So, you know, an entire area of people have, you know, severe famines, like there's, there's a ship maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's how I'm also going to kind of be speaking too from like the lens of like, I'm a practicing witch. So I'm thinking about it in terms of like these stories, like, to me, Hans, these animal spirits, I would associate these with kind of like witches familiars. Yes. And there are stories of like them kind of working on behalf of a uh, Sahira or a witch or a magician, like sending the animals to. And with the Johns, like the black dogs, especially like in nightmares, like the black dogs being associated with like coming to terrorize people in their sleep or you know someone's by themselves and like there's mm -hmm. a black dog out of nowhere that like kind of comes up on them and almost intimidates them or speaks to them through their mind um and causes them to do not great things to themselves literally <clears throat> i i've had probably too much wine because that whole scene just played out of my mind and freaked me out <laughs> well here's something else too is I have talked to other people who like practice Sahira as well. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of, I don't know if I want to say that there's like this cultural unwritten rule, mm -hmm. but some people believe that there's a reason why a lot of this has been gatekeeped from the West. Mm -hmm. And like, even while I'm filming this now, like I have a, um, I'm here in like my home office, which is kind of like, I mean, my whole house is my witchy room, but like yeah. my office, is where I have like my working altar and yeah. where I do a lot of recording and stuff like that. And it's on the main level of the house. And I have two bird feeders in front of both windows. So I have one window on one side of the room and then one window on another. And I have two bird feeders in front of them. And <laughs> earlier when we were recording, I got almost a little spooked myself because my bird feeder just like slammed my window. It sounded like someone like Whoa. threw their shoulder into it. Yeah. And every time I make content regarding this, I uh -huh. have happenings. Yes. So I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't necessarily believe that like, you know, talking about this puts you in danger. I'm no. not giving yeah. into the spirit of his, you know, hysteria and fear in that regard. But I do think that from speaking with other practitioners mm -hmm. in this sort of scope, like, 
I mean, these practices have been going on for so long, Mm -hmm. literally before the Quran was even written. So it's not like they're new, but it's like they're, they've kind of been shrouded in so much mystery. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of a theory, like, do the spirits even want this to be talked about, you know? So yeah, but as far as like the gen and human relations go, um, there's also kind of this concept of a Karin or like a generous spirit. Karin means basically like generous, essentially. Okay. And it's this idea that practitioners would have a Karin, which is very similar to kind of like this new age concept of like maybe a spirit guide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there are people who have their own personal Karin and who have a working relationship in their spiritual practice with their Karin or with their with their guide, with their guiding jinn, with so- their generous jinn. I want to ask you, do, does this type of generous gin, do they require energy in exchange? Cause as far as I understand it, like coming from my witchcraft perspective, like European witchcraft perspective, familiar spirits require something in exchange for their services, right? Yeah. Like, guides, if you like the new age spirit guide doesn't really at all they're just there to help you apparently so i'm just curious right yeah i would say that to me the karines are almost more like would be kind of more in line with the new age kind of concept of a spirit guide in the sense oh, that like they're yeah. part of you yeah they would be like almost part of you in a way they would almost be kind of like a shadow of you or a piece of you or connected to oh. you or even your family line like your family lineage so maybe they would be with family fam like generation to generation mm-hmm. um in traditional witchcraft, whether it be like ATW, American traditional witchcraft or BTW, British traditional witchcraft, like I definitely think that, yeah, familiar spirits, you're making packs with them. So mm-hmm. you're offering them this in exchange for that. And the Karins, they're generous and they're with you regardless. And they're trying to guide you. And I feel like, you know, I can't speak for all families per se, but I'm sure that there's reasons why maybe um Karins would want this family line to succeed over this family line right. or whatever almost kind of like guardians of lineage of generations of families yes mm-hmm. I, I i think that that i don't want to speak to everyone but i feel that that is maybe for a lot of different cultures right and traditions we kind of have spirits that might be ancestral or just guardians in that way yeah. Um, you know, what's funny too, and I'm reading down to the next, I don't know what page you're on with our <laughs> agenda, but on page three, I'm on page three. Okay. The fact that I wrote down, sometimes the gin may mess with things in one's home, particularly mm-hmm. at night. Yeah. <laughs> and you just it's said true. about the bird feeder. I was like, oh yeah. This, yeah, this again true. is sort of, it's very, um, it's, it reminds me of the Fae for sure. They, they like, to I get it with too. technology too. Mm-hmm. Like I've had times before where like I've done live streams, either just myself talking about working with Jen or with other creators. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a content creator, I believe his channel name is like Legion of Lilith. And I did a video with him. Um, I had done a video a while back with Orly Stewart kind of comparing demons and gen together. 
so yeah, and almost every time like I'm talking about this with other people, there is like happenings. And I, it's, it's not necessarily so much that like, I feel like I'm being warned to like shut my mouth. Like, I don't think it's the mob, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I feel, I feel like I got that feeling that like, we're here, we're listening. Yep. Yeah. You spoke our name, you know? Alora and I had that happen one of the first seasons of the podcast. And I actually used to have to record on my back patio when I lived at my old house because my house was really small and I just didn't have anywhere to record at night, like with my family sleeping and everything. And we were talking about the Fay, and it was like something was on the other side of the fence, like at my neighbor's house, like knocking on the fence. And I knew it wasn't their dog because their dog would be barking as it always Mm -hmm. did. So it was like, um, okay. Yep. Yeah. I hear that you're here. You know, thanks for making your presence known. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't like they were trying to scare me, but they were just kind of like, yeah, we hear you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it like to me sometimes like it, it can feel at first like being startled, but then I instantly kind of like, I'm like, okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Oh Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's a little startling at first, but then you're like, yep. All right. I'm, I'm kind of used to this. I'm, I'm yeah. I've been around them before we've done this before. So all good. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask you something specifically. I was looking at a list actually, and I'm sure it wasn't, you know, all inclusive, but it was a list, mind you, of types of gin. And okay. one specific word popped out to me because it's definitely from the Fey realm. They had listed, I think it was in the book, actually, Maximilian de Lafayette's book. And maybe, too, it's just, I don't know, like a mistranslation or miss whatever. But Banshee was listed, which I found interesting. Yeah, I I think that like how there are the stories of Banshees. I mean, Banshee Mm -hmm. itself is definitely not an Arabic folkloric spirit, but there are similar tales to like how the banshee interacts with like, you know, mourning the dead and everything like that. And I think Mm -hmm. that kind of ties into the cutting, like the generous spirit overlooking, Mm -hmm. you know, families and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what she originally did in Celtic uh, lore or mythology. She was believed to be an ancestral spirit, but then again, like she means fae. So there's that kind of line that's blurred. I absolutely believe that there's a lot of overlap between the Jen and Faye. And I, I, th- I feel like, you know, making this association is natural because there's so much similarity. I don't think that Jen and Faye are synonymous. Like I definitely right. think they're autonomous to their own cultures and lore, but the system of how these words work and how they have kind of subcategories is yeah. very, very similar. And I mean, historically people have traveled so it's not out of the realm to think that you know these spirits were brought other places and interpreted through other cultures and languages in different ways that's a good point about where would we find the gin physically like in a liminal space you know it's going to go back to depending on what type of gin it is that you're looking for right yeah um I, have you ever watched, and this might seem like an odd question, but have you ever watched the Sabrina series on Netflix? Then you're talking about the, what is it like the, the newer one, right? 
Yeah. The newer Sabrina on Netflix. I haven't because my husband is scared. So, okay. Fair. Um, I bring <laughs> I that up because in the, <laughs> in the very first, the very first season, um, Sabrina like basically goes out into the woods to get her familiar. Mm-hmm. So she goes out into the woods by herself into like kind of a desolate wooden place. And she calls out to like the powers that be and to witches of the past and magic and whatever. And she gets her familiar. And like, that's also a folkloric tea as far as like working with Huns or these mm. wild primal gin of essentially going out and calling out into nature and conjuring them in nature. I feel like the same would be said for moderates as well. Like you're probably not going to conjure a storm like in your bedroom, right? Like no, you probably right. maybe need to like go outside, go to a <laughs> mountaintop or a cave or um, a moving body of water. Cause the moderates are kind of more like elementals as opposed to like wild primal animal sort of spirits. Okay. Very cool. So I think I working watch with that show in, now. <laughs> even, even if you just go on YouTube and just look at that episode clip, cause I'm sure if you look up like Sabrina, familiar spirit scene or something Mm -hmm. like you could probably just find that clip but I was talking with Legion of Lilith about that as far as like connecting to building a relationship with Jen Um, and then like the Afrits like these shadow people like I feel like through trance um, or through like astral projection or spirit flight like Mm -hmm. these are kind of maybe some more like traditional witchcraft methods or modalities of connecting with spirits. I feel like you could use that as well. Yeah. So in addition to like the natural places though, according to Islam, they're also found in quote unquote dirty places. So graveyards, cemeteries, but also bathrooms and dumps. I even read. Yeah. Uh, Uh Ruins and also marketplaces apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the ghouls in particular are like horrible, putrid, sort of how they're perceived. They also yeah. can bring like disease. So if you're looking for a gin like that, you're going to find them in places that are thought to be like of, of a similar frequency. I mean, burial places were like, you know, very much seen as scary liminal places like Mm -hmm. you know where the standard civilians not just going to go hang out right and I personally have felt as as a witch a working witch even in the midwest of the United States like when I go to cemeteries there's a gatekeeper or there's like a watcher of the cemetery Mm -hmm. some people believe I know that the watcher is the first person buried in the cemetery other people believe it's an egregore created from the people who go and mourn their dead. And so that that sort of sadness and loss and grief from all these different families from the cemetery create this egregore that watches over the property. Oh, other people might I've believe that is that a type one. Of, okay. Yeah, other people believe that might be a type of like gula. And so mm. for those listening, if you go to a cemetery and let's say you're working with, um, you know, you're going to the the grave of a lawyer because you have a court case or the grave of a doctor because there's illness or a grave of a criminal for a malefica or whatever. And like you're in the graveyard, even if you're just walking around maybe with another witch or just some friends or whatever, I have felt times where, okay, it's time to leave. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I'm being, I'm being told it's it's time to leave. And it's not like you're in danger, girl. It's like you've been here long enough. It's time to go. Like, yes, I've had that as well. Mm-hmm. I've frequented so cemeteries since I was a teenager just because I always Same. found them peaceful. I've always been into like kind of the historical architecture, especially like here where we are, because the fashion of tombstones has changed and evolved. Like, you know, they used to be real primitive and they got real intricate and now they're real small again. Mm -hmm. Like they're really, you know, clean cut slabs with like just carving into them. Whereas like, you know, a hundred years ago or so they were like these, these big massive pieces of art. I kind of prefer those. <laughs> I like the pretty ones, the elaborate ones. Yeah. Me too. And then, yeah, bathrooms too. I've, I, um, there's a story also, it might be when I was, but I'm trying to remember. I think I was collabing maybe with Orly, but I had a situation where I, I know for sure, for sure, for sure that I feel that I encountered uh, like a gula in a club bathroom. Wow. <laughs> was and it I a was, gothic club? Um, no, it was, <laughs> it was a, uh, it was a gay club. Okay. Um, and it was like a leather night. So mm-hmm. I didn't know that when I went, like I was going with some friends and everything and I had no idea it was like a leather night. So when uh, I got there and saw a bunch of like leather daddies, I was like, well, yep. okay. Yep. okay yeah. mm-hmm. Had a great time. But I was really intoxicated and I had gone to the bathroom. And at this particular club, there's two bathrooms, but they're both gender neutral. Mm, Okay. So people used either side, either bathroom, like one bathroom has a pink light and one bathroom has a blue light. And like the blue bathroom has urinals, but like they both have several stalls. And so there's just people going to both bathrooms. Right. You know, they're not necessarily men or women's restrooms. And this is like an adult nightclub. Yeah. And it's downtown and it has a reputation for being really skeezy, like, which is part of the fun. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And I was really intoxicated, (laughs) really intoxicated this night. And I remember I had gone to the bathroom and I thought it was weird that there was no one else in the bathroom with me. And, um, so there's no, like, you know how you go to some bathrooms and there's like a main door that you have to open before you're actually inside of the bathroom. Yeah. This is not that way. This is like, there's a sharp hallway that you turn down and then you're suddenly in the bathroom. Oh, that's so there's, there's not like a door that you would open to get into the bathroom. It feels like you're just walking through a door to a portal. Well, the weird thing about it is because there's not a main door to the bathroom, you can hear the music from the dance floor inside of the bathroom. And I was really intoxicated this one night. And I remember thinking like, okay, it's kind of weird that like, I'm the only one in here. Kind of nice because normally you have to like wait in line for a stall or something. Right. Um, And I was able to get right in and get right out. And I was washing my hands. And I remember thinking like, why is there no music? Like I couldn't hear any of the music on the dance floor. And I look up and I see just for a split second, like a whole woman behind me. And she wasn't there. (laughs) Like she was there, but she wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of got the feeling that like, it's time to go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You're telling me this. And my daughter and I had this experience where we were running on this trail behind our house 
and we're, it was early morning hours, you know, probably like six something in the morning. And so it's still dark and it's a public trail. So it's paved and everything, but there was this woman who was extremely tall. Like, I don't know, over six foot, very, very thin. And she kind of like walked in front of us as we were running. Nope. And yeah, exactly. And I went, good morning. <laughs> Cause I thought, well, if I let, you know, like, I don't know. I just felt like if I make my presence known, I just needed to do that, you know? Yeah. And she just didn't even acknowledge our existence. And she just looked otherworldly to me and it freaked me out. And I looked at my daughter, I'm like, I think we go home now. <laughs> Let's yeah. run the other way. <laughs> yeah. So what is your, I mean, if you could tell us what is your opinion or what do you think is the overall consensus and as far as tradition and culture, like who should be calling on the gin? And is there some kind of, um, I don't want to say like danger, but you know, people that I don't want people to just mess around with it. Right. If they're not serious about it. Right. I mean, I feel like the spirits work with who they work with mm -hmm. and I feel if you really are feeling called to work or build a relationship with just Jen in general, people are different. People are going to have different opinions. Like there yeah. are plenty of people that think that this is more of a closed thing. Is it closed because we've lost the information? Is it closed from people outside of the ancestral or cultural background? I don't know if I feel like I can really, say personally, yeah. okay. I think that it's like a personal thing that mm -hmm. if you feel the connection or the call from these spirits, who am I to sit here and tell you that you don't? Yeah. I do think that with any type of spirit work, like the gin, they get a bad rap, but there are good gin out there. And there are gin that just really don't give a shit out there. Yeah. I think a not give a shit camp is probably most the most high of it all. But I mean, there's also Jen out there that like actually do really want to hurt you. Like that is also a thing. So mm -hmm. like, if you don't know what you're doing, then I probably would just maybe read about it and just learn about it and maybe be fascinated by it, but maybe don't yeah. move past that. If, right. And if you, I think too, you have to really listen to your own intuition. And if something doesn't feel right to you, or if you get that feeling that like, it's time to go. Then you need to listen to that. Mm -hmm. Definitely listen to your intuition when, when it comes to spirits of any kind, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's another um, sort of superstition that is even held by some people in my own family, which is like having a bunch of houseplants. And like, you know how there's kind of this belief that if your houseplants start dying, there's like bad magic being sent your way and your yeah. plants, your allies are absorbing it. Yeah. There's also a belief that like for gulas, for example, like spirits, gin of illness, sickness, putridness, unclean places or whatever, like them being around killing off natural plants like that. Mm -hmm. So as a way to like ward against like plants would be kept in spaces and areas to keep like life and healthiness in the okay. space. Yeah. So there's like definitely a belief in that. And then there's tons of like talismans and stuff that ward and protect against it. Um, different varieties of gin. So. Awesome. Okay. So as far as if people do decide to begin working with the gin, 
the first thing we always say is it, just in general, like on Otherworldly Oracle, we say the first thing is in general for working with the gen. <laughs> yeah. And well, I just mean in general as spirits rather. I'm sorry. No, I was just laughing because like general, gen, oh. general, like <laughs> I just the think general. that's a fun play on words. <laughs> Gotcha. I'm sorry. I missed that. Whoop. That's the wine. It just went over my head. Okay. So yeah, research and study. That's definitely the first thing. I always tell everybody that you you uh-huh. can't just approach a spirit and be like, cool, let's work together and not have read about the lore and the mythology and the people that the spirit originated from and all of those things. From you, I think one of the better resources, like you had said, is the Sahir Jin and Ifrit and How to Summon Them by Maximilian de Lafayette. That's a very popular book is one of the reasons why I referenced it mm-hmm. for you as well and your listeners. It's pretty popular. Um, it can be a little tricky to read. It's, you know, there's also different translations. So some other books that are kind of controversial, there's the Book of Smokeless Fire, which is more specifically about the Shayatin. So if you're interested in learning about the jinn that are in line with Shaitan, with Satan's jinn, um, that's a book that you could look at. There's also the Book of Smokeless Fire into the Crucible, which kind of talks about the holy, or not the holy, but like the royal um, like jinn family with like mm-hmm. Ablaise and like his daughter Shara and like these being kind of like how we have the royal family, but it's like the royal family of the Shayatin Jinn. In demonolatry, we have these demons that are like princes, dukes, and earls. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's kind of like the correspondence there. Okay. Um, there's also a book, I think it's called maybe Fire Spirits. I think it's on Amazon. Personally, it's not my favorite. I will say that because... Basically, the book, I think, is like roughly $20. And essentially, it tells you to do candle and black mirror scrying to work with Jen. And I just don't think that there's anything original in that book. But and it's also like that I've never read a book that I felt like the author was yelling at me when I was reading it. And that's exactly how that book reads. I think it's called (laughs) Fire Spirits in case you want to look into that. And then also is fiery, apparently. Yes. Um, (laughs) And then also too like literally the Quran is a resource Mm -hmm. where you can look at surats, like you can look at scripture and you can even go online. Like you can with the Bible and type in keywords and find that, you know, those keywords and and what scriptures they're in, just like you can Mm -hmm. in the Bible, you can do that with the Quran and you can type in, you know, jinn or evil spirits or whatever. And you can find scriptures that do reference this. And I think that you have to take what the Quran is saying with a little bit of like a grain of salt, because like, obviously this is being looked at in an unfavorable lens, but also something interesting that some of you might find surprising is that the Quran does also mention that there are jinn among us that are even, you know, good practicing Muslims. So there are jinn out there who also like the Afrit, for example, would also be practicing religions either of their own that we have no connection to or our religions as well. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that ties back, I think, into like that movie Us. Yeah. And it is freaky. It is super freaky. <laughs> there's, there's another practice too, which you can, if you want to YouTube it, you can actually see Sahira's practicing this. And this is something that kind of connects a little bit with some like ATR practices. And that's called Zar, 
Z-A-R-Z-A-R-R, dance, czar dance. And that is a possession dance where the witch will, it's a hair dance. So you kind of like swing your hair around and dance, almost belly dancing, but like with your hair too. And it sends the practitioner into like an intense trance-like state. And normally it's done to drumming, um, like Arabic drumming. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to invoke like a spirit into the space, either to be controlled, manipulated, or even like enslaved and their life, like their their spirit essence being ripped from them and put into some type of work or something. There's also like, of course, the lesser and greater keys of Solomon. I mean, Solomon built his temple through the help of jinn and demons, depending on your narrative, like Asmodee. And... But as far as practice goes, from what I mm-hmm. read, and you can attest to this or, you know, elaborate on it, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. One of the first things that I read actually is that there's certain protocol and rules or etiquette that's specific to each spirit. So everyone needs to be aware before you call on a specific gen, you need to be aware of what they're, what they expect, what the rules are and working with them. Yeah. And I think so that ties into like the way you would work with elementals of, you know, storms is probably going to look different than how you would interact with like a shadow person or how you would interact with an animal or how you would interact with like an abysmal black hound or how you would interact with, you know, a gin of the adversary. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's kind of, and then even more in particular, like, okay, if we're talking about working with the Shaotin gin with Shaitan's gin, like working with Shara, like she, if we're going to take this back to like Celtic associations, I have always been absolutely fascinated by like the Morrigan mm-hmm. and Shara gives me those vibes. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. She gives me those vibes. Like she's associated with black birds. She's associated with prophecy. She's associated with divination, witchcraft, war, yeah. fate. Like there's like a similar sort of current there um Definitely. and like for you know some witches maybe out there who have worked with like lucifer like i feel a similar sort of current with ablaze in that regard of like illumination yeah. um yeah. light bringing adversarial voice for the voiceless empowerment because i've worked with ablaze and lucifer um in my practice and so i feel like there's like a similar energy between those two. Mm. So I think even more specifically, once you get to like the specific type of gen that you're working with, then like that individual gen as an individual might also have its own way it would like you to reach out. You know, like I have some friends who are totally cool with me just randomly FaceTiming them. I have other friends who like hate talking on the phone and (laughs) exclusively want to communicate through text. So I think it's the same way with spirits. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that comparison. It's very, very true. I also read that there's is that there's language specific to each spirit. So some spirits won't even come to you unless you speak their language. I think this is not 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 to be like this, um, mm-hmm. but I think that's absolutely one hundred percent true and false, both. And the sense that's that I not do confusing. Think that- 
<laughs> yeah. I think that's a lot of things in like the occult world is like sometimes when, when, whenever you're asking extremes, I feel like, and like mm-hmm. the world of witchery, the answer is usually just yes or both. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I definitely think there are Jen that will not respect you if you do not, you know, say your incantations in Arabic, write your spells in Arabic, call out to them in the mother tongue. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, yeah, of course, there's going to be Jen that are going to be like that. I also think that Jen can be incredibly wise and smart and clever. And I almost think it would be like, degrading in a way to the spirits to think that they're not capable of learning foreign tongues just like we are Hmm. like i took spanish four years of high school granted my spanish isn't great but i know enough to like you know get myself in trouble and like say please and thank you and like cut somebody's hair in spanish i can do that Yeah, yeah so i think it would almost be like kind of degrading to think like oh they're not capable of like figuring out what you're trying to say I think if you're coming in respectfully you're really genuinely coming with a serious interest um, and trying to make a connection there's there's humans out there that fall in love with someone who can't you know even speak maybe like they are hard of hearing and this hearing person and this person who's hard of hearing is able to have like a romantic sexual wonderful relationship so I don't know if I would think language is necessarily a barrier, but I think it could be a barrier to the spirits that choose to make it a barrier for you, you know? Ah, okay. That's a great point. Yeah. Also, I think this just goes again for when you're working with any spirits, especially ones that you're just getting to know, you have to know what kind of protection to use as well. And I think a lot of this comes down to discernment. So being able to listen to your intuition, listen to your gut and know, know the signs for me. I feel like it's you, you, after you've been practicing for a long time, you can kind of discern between the spirits that you can actually work with versus the ones that are just out for themselves. Yeah. And there's certain signs there for me. And I I'm sure that's different by person, but I think everyone has to develop that knowing. And so you have to apply that to really any spirit that you're working with, including the gin, I would think. Well, I would like to say like, so I run this book club, it's called the Indie Witches Book Club. And anyone is free to join the Facebook group. If anyone's interested, we meet up locally actually at the metaphysical store, but we also have a monthly online meetup. So you don't have to be in our area to partake in the book club. Currently, right now, we're reading Jason Miller's Consorting with Spirits. Oh. If you or your listeners haven't read this book, I I really recommend it. It's a really great book that kind of is an overarching book on principalities of pacting and working and consorting Mm -hmm. with spirits. Um, And different types of spirits are referenced in the book, like working with spirits of the land, working with demons, working with angels. So there's kind of something in there for like witches of almost every flavor. Mm -hmm. And I really recommend checking out Jason Miller's Consorting with Spirits if you're looking to strengthen spirit communication and spirit work in your practice. Definitely. Okay. That's, I I actually think I joined your group, but maybe I just haven't dug into it yet. So, so I'm definitely going to be reading that. 
yeah, really. And it's on Audible too. I've been listening to it on my way to and from work, just in I the car. Audible. Yeah. Me too. And this is, I'm not sponsored by Audible. So I really do love it. <laughs> like, I'm not. No, just me neither. <laughs> well, another, I used to drive another... so much that, like, crazy enough, I've listened to thousands upon thousands of hours of music. And at some point, I'm like, okay, let me listen to someone talking and teaching me things. Right. You know? <laughs> and learn something while you're on your way about your day. Right. Especially if it's hard for you to read. Like if it's hard for you to sit down and make time to read, I mm -hmm. think audiobooks are a great alternative. Agreed. Something I wanted to um, mention too is per like the, the barrier of language, I think something that's even more relevant is thinking about your offerings. Like I'm assuming a lot of the listeners of this podcast may be living in the West. So you might want to think about the offerings that you would make to Jen as a Western practitioner. Popular things might be like different varieties of oud, which is like a type of incense that's um, highly, highly regarded in the Middle East. And it's used even like in mosques. Mm. And there's different flavors of oud. And I'd be happy to send you some links after this if you ever wanted to kind of try some out if you haven't already. But they're burned in what's called bakor. And this is a specific type of like incense burner. And it's oh. a whole, there's whole ceremonies around burning, burning your oud. And there's okay. different sort of like notes and kind of like how there's different associations with herbs, these scents and oils that are mixed in with this oud that you'd be burning in your bakor are going to kind of invoke different spirits or like in some Sihira practices, you can burn the oud to like burn it in your closet and all your clothing will smell like whatever your intention is, love, sex, money, power. There's also wow. like essentially smoke blessing your hair as well. Like that's mm -hmm. the thing. Cause your hair will hold all of that smoke in. Um, there's also burning that as an offering to the gen. And this would be something that's like inherently Arabic, like middle Eastern, you know, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to being like, here's some milk and honey. That's probably not the thing I would offer. I would maybe offer like pomegranates and figs and oud or ambergris. Yeah, definitely things that are specific to Shisha. where they originate. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not going to give them mead, for example, typically. Right, right. <laughs> Is there anything not to do? Really like a big warning sign, don't do this when it comes to the gin. I would absolutely not just call out to all and any, like, Ooh, yeah, I would not do that. <laughs> like I've seen, you know, I'm in Facebook groups here and there, like online and mm -hmm. there's some forums online, which I won't say the name of this particular form because I don't endorse it or support it. And I was associated with it before. I'm not anymore. There's been a bunch of controversy. I'm not even going to say the name, but on the form, there was a bunch of basically like just Western people trying to understand gin. And like, I feel like calling out to any and all gin is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That to me is just like, I don't know, exposing yourself in a way that is just not smart because just like there are sick and twisted people, like you wouldn't just let anybody around your no, kids. That's you like know what literally I mean? opening your front door and being like, okay, whoever wants to come in, come here, come on right. in. I have dinner ready. Right. <laughs> no, don't, don't freaking yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. So I would say like, don't be so desperate to get to know the gen that you allow 
your curiosity to put you in danger, you know, know what you're conjuring, know what you're calling out to. And I think that kind of comes with the first pillar of the Magi of to know, to know yourself and to know your craft, read as much as you can through different interpretations, whether it be, you know, listening to the mysterious Middle East YouTube channel or checking out, you know, the video I did with Legion of Lilith or reading some of these books that we've talked about, like the book of Smoke's fire or uh, Maximilian's book, read as much as you can online in books, whatever, know what it is that you're calling out to. Don't just sit here and just call out to any and everybody. You know, I also feel like too, this might sound surprising maybe, but like, I feel, especially for people who maybe have some hesitation culturally or language wise, Mm -hmm. I think that the Shaolin Jin specifically are the most forthcoming the devil's gin. (laughs) I think that they are like kind of sometimes the quickest to greet people. And like me personally, in my practice, I've never felt like working with Shara or working with other Shaolin has been in danger. And I think that if you, Jason Miller in his book, Consorting with Spirits talks about spiritual resonance, which is like kind of using music or the spoken word kind of like in the LBRP, the lesser banishing of the rich uh, ritual, the pentagram, mm-hmm. um, where like the four names of God are vibrated, like, yeah, Vode. yeah you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that can also be used as a way to like, conjure spirits as well. And I feel that strongly with the shale theme. Interesting. Awesome. I really, really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Thank you for hitting me up and having me talk about it. Like I'm always down to have a conversation on magic of the Middle East. Cause I think it's something that is just often not talked about or even really thought of when it comes to the craft, you know, I agree. It's not talked about enough. That's for sure. And thank you so- for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I'm thanking you for being my co-host tonight and yeah. We really appreciate you filling in for Laura since she's not here. Wow. Laura, all of the best wishes, happiness, health. Exactly. So if our listeners would like to find your work, Jasmine, or connect with you, where might they go to find you? And for the record, I will put Jasmine's links in the information box on this episode. So everyone has a, a quick connect so I have a YouTube channel. That's just my name, Jasmine Ambrosia. You can find a lot of my work there. I mean, I have a Patreon where I have lots of classes and workshops. If you're interested in taking any of my courses, the best way to like connect with me personally is really probably on Instagram, which is also just Jasmine Ambrosia. If you want to see more of like my shit posts, I would go to my TikTok, which is three obsidian eyes. And that's just like where we go and just have a good time. And it's not really serious or witchy. It's just stupid, really. So yeah, that's my TikTok. And then there's that, that book club, which is, you know, it's totally free. It's just something if you're on Facebook, and if you're interested in engaging with sort of an occult academia community, I'd recommend that. We have physical and online meetups every other month. So if you're not in the area, you can still engage in a book club every other month if you wanted to. So, and we do those via usually Google Hangout. Awesome. We'd like to thank our listeners for joining us and give our humblest appreciation to our patrons who help support Burning Hallows Productions. Join us again next week for another exciting episode. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay 
otherworldly.